Hey, this is John Ubaldi. And I'm Joe Bits. We're taking politics to a whole new level. First one. Oh. Hey, everybody, this is John with Ubaldi Reports. And just to let you know, we're live streaming this podcast for the very first time. So with me today is my co-host, as always, is Joe Bits. And for those who are checking out our live streaming for the first time, those who've been listening for a while, my name is John Ubaldi. I'm a 30-year Marine Corps veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan. And my co-host is Joe Bits, who served 10 years in the Marine Corps, medically retired from being wounded in Iraq after he stepped on an IED. So it's always great to have Joe here, and we're glad we are able to do this. And just to let everybody know what Ubaldi Reports is, Ubaldi Reports is a fact-based news and media publishing company. What I wanted to do is just provide facts, not fiction, on the various issues and topics facing America, whether nationally or internationally. And it's great to have Joe because Joe gets a lot of his information from people he talks to and on Facebook. I know we do that tongue-in-cheek, but when we get things on Facebook, if you read things a lot of times things have to be put in context or people have it wrong or they have it historically wrong so we just want to debate this to make it easier and then you get to make your own decision whether you agree or disagree but the one thing we're not going to do if you're coming to this podcast or this live streaming and you're looking at us to criticize like really get into the name calling and of the current president or former president then you've got the wrong podcast. We're not going to do that. We do lean center right, but we're going to base everything on facts. And if we can't answer something, I will come back on the next podcast and get you that information. First of all, how's it going, Joe? Great, John. How are you? I'm doing good. So how was your day today? It was good. I think you maybe want to go a little bit more into the Ubaldi Reports on a website or a podcast, but it's a little bit more. And you set it up to contribute, have more people contribute to that. Can you go on? Yeah, what I wanted to do, and we're still working on that. It's a work in progress. I wanted to have veterans and dependents of veterans be my writers and experts because a lot of veterans have served all over the world. They have expertise in a lot of different areas. You don't have to just serve 30 years like I did or even 10 years like Joe did. If you just serve your country and then you have an expertise, because we've had people on this show who we had one individual who was a retired U.S. Army soldier from West Point. Now he's a financial analyst. So we want to get people who have an expertise in a particular field, because too often in government today, you have individuals, and this is on Republicans and Democrats, They've spent their whole life in government, and they really haven't done anything outside of the public service or anything in the private sector. So we wanted individuals who can speak with authority on a given subject, and that includes dependents as well. Going back to that, also we want their views as well, usually from news sources. You're only getting one view from one side, and we like to think we're very eclectic. We want to hear the, the pros and the cons. We want to hear both sides because maybe there's something we're not understanding, or maybe there's not something we're not seeing, and I think that having more views of the topic or of the whatever's going on in the world will give us a better understanding and maybe like help John get more into the information so that next time we talk about it, it's the truth. It's interesting you say that. The reason I started Ubaldi Reports is back in 2013, I 
took mixed um, trained in martial arts in California. And this was at the time the United States was going to conduct military operations against Syria for the use of chemical weapons against its own people. So when I got to my martial arts studio, the instructor tells me, I, would, I need to see you after class. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what the heck did I do? So then he takes me into his office and he shuts the door. And I'm like, did I do something? And then he goes, John, can you explain to me what's going on with what we're potentially going to be doing in Syria? So I gave him both sides. I told this is what's going to happen. This is the situation. And this is what both sides are coming up with. This is what the pros and this is what the cons about military operation in Syria. And he said, thanks. And then I asked him, I was like, why didn't you just ask me in front of everybody when we, before we got on the mat? And he goes, because I would have gotten everybody's opinion. You study this. And I've got a master's degree in national security study. And my concentration was the Middle East. So what he it lit a, a light bulb went off. Wow. He just wanted information. Yeah. And that's the point. I talked to people when I set up my website, Ubaldi Reports. I go, what would you like to see in a political website if you went to one? And almost everybody said, I just want to know what's going on a given topic, not just someone's opinion. I just wanted to explain what's going on. And that's why we started. I started Ubaldi Reports, and then I brought Joe on to help me out with the podcast, and he does a great job. Yeah, because my approach to this is that there are people always asking questions, especially through social media, also through different podcasts and uh, radio shows that they have a, a certain view or opinion, and I like to see if that is actually what is going on. So, like, for an example, if they're messing around with the stimulus package and I'm hearing a negative view of the stimulus package, I'm going to go ahead and approach John and be like, hey, what's going on with this? And then John really gets into it and will lay it down, including if he has to read through the entire bill or whatever it is that they're presenting, he will. And I think a good another good thing we're doing with the podcast and Ubaldi Reports is that we're trying to get people away from a popular opinion mm -hmm. and then give them the facts and then have them form their own opinion based on what they're hearing. And that's the mission statement, just what you said. That's the mission statement of Ubaldi Reports. We're not telling people how to think or should think like we do. We just want to present the facts. And it's interesting. I spoke at Lowell High School in California. This was a couple of years ago, and this was about the war in Iraq when it was heating up in, I think it was 2007. We had some Gold Star parents, and the Gold Star parents really weren't well-versed in geopolitics. So I told the instructor, I can answer these kids' questions, and I just laid it out with the facts. And they may not have agreed with what I said, but I had people come up after me and said, yeah, these kids may not have agreed with you, but it got them thinking that there's another side to each of these issues. And that's all I want. I just want Americans to think about these issues that are very pertinent to us so we can have a more well-informed voter. And that's where we come in because we're not really seeing this on both sides of the media today. And then to our audience, giving maybe what you are interested in and emailing us and stuff like that will help generate more conversation about what we can talk about and what we can get into. And there's a lot to get into, especially since this current administration has taken over. We're not too fond of it, but it's just the way it goes is that mm -hmm. maybe in another four years, there's going to be a different administration or 
the same one, but we want to pick apart or and just even get a good look at what they are doing and the reasoning behind it. And we, John, we had a lot today, didn't we? Oh, yes. There was a lot going on today and there was a lot going on this week. Maybe just to begin, so Biden, so he went ahead and I guess he signed an executive order banning ghost guns. Correct. And for him to get into maybe a second amendment rights, it's always a touchy subject, especially with the people that they love their guns and then there's the people that are anti-guns. So, Well, but we're also in a different period because if you remember last summer when we had the riots throughout the country, you also have this defund the police movement. And we had somebody on the podcast, I think over the summer, and he lives up in New York. And because of that, People were asking him about what handgun to get or what kind of firearm to get. And then they tried to get a handgun and they realized they couldn't because the gun control laws that were put in that they wanted prevented them from getting a handgun. So a lot of people were nervous when the police are told to stand down, who's going to protect you? Because we were always told the police will protect you. That's not the case anymore. So we'll have to, and people are getting nervous. That's why there's more handguns being purchased and more background checks being conducted than ever before. So Biden, in Biden's speech, uh, before he introduced the, I think he called him his uh, AFT appointee, what did he say exactly when it comes to the Constitution? He said the amendments to the Constitution are not absolute. Okay. So now that can mean a lot of things because in the progressive circle, they don't want handguns. They don't want anybody to have really any firearms, period. So... But what does that mean that, and this is what the media needed to do is challenge them. Mr. President, what did you mean by the, the amendments are not absolute? Because you want to get his, what was his thought process and that not, never was asked. Mm. And that's a very important point. Yeah. It's not that we are maybe not favorable of this president. I think I want to see every president succeed because it's always for the good of the country. But it seems every time a new administration kicks in, they just want to take away the previous administration and then just roll in theirs. It's almost like a dorm room where there's ever revolving, you know, occupants in there. And it just Mm kind of it's a little wearing because it's not them that are affected as much as says Americans. Well, that's been, I wouldn't say a recent phenomenon, but it started really after the end of the Cold War. Bill Clinton came in as president and he was going to repudiate the the policies of the Bush administration as, this is George H.W. Bush, especially as it related to China. And then when he came in, he just duplicated what George Bush did. But basically, so then George W. Bush comes in and he repudiated what Bill Clinton did and Obama did, President Obama did the same thing as Bush and then Trump, and it just doesn't change. We don't have consistency, especially as it comes to foreign policy. A lot of our allies are like, okay, we got a new administration and now we're going to do a totally different foreign policy than we had from the previous. And prior to the end of the Cold War, from Truman all the way up to George W. Bush, we had a containment strategy toward the former Soviet Union. So let's maybe take a look back. So previous administration instilled a very, how would you rate their immigration policy when it came to the the border? The previous administration, Donald Trump believed, and people are going to fault me on this, he believed in immigration. He just wanted legal immigration and not this open border policy where you have people from Mexico and more or less, most of the people coming in now are from the Northern Triangle of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, Nicaragua. So 
he wanted to stop, and he had fits and starts, but he finally got it where if you wanted to apply for asylum, you had to wait in Mexico to have your court case heard, and 90% of them didn't qualify for for asylum. So it, And you still had people come across, but not in the mass waves that you had previously. And now we're seeing, and this kind of started in 2019, when the Democrats were had their first debate, one of the moderate asked them, would you include illegal immigrants in your health care plan? And every hand went up, including current President Joe Biden. So subsequent time, they just said, we're going to do we're not going to do what Trump did. We're going to overturn everything. And then people got the word. It means come on to America. We'll accept you. So uh, going with that. So I heard that the Biden administration under the veil of like not saying it publicly or maybe backtracking and going back to some of those old policies mm-hmm. of the current administration. Now, is that actually going on? Not really, because he's have he's caught and he's caught in a, in a rock in a hard place in one respect, because mm-hmm. the progressive elements of his party don't want anything to do with Donald Trump. And he had set the the marker because in a campaign commercial, but in a campaign stop, he did. He said, for a country of 330 million, we can absorb two million people. So he said in, once he was elected, before he was inaugurated, that, yeah, come, but not now. We'll let you know. Mm-hmm. But that, that word is not getting out. He's been saying, we're going to have a different approach. You can come. You can stay. Especially unaccompanied minors are allowed to stay almost indefinitely. So they're showing up to the party a little bit early. Yeah, because they know they're not getting out. Now, you got New York State. They just passed. Their, they're you know, trying to get through a budget. And now they set aside $2.1 billion for all illegal aid. Aliens. Yeah, you heard that. How would you, or John, you could use $15,000, couldn't you? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, but this so, is at the same time when small businesses, they have the largest small business closures, New yeah. York State, Betty State in the Union. Then you have California. They spend about $25 billion. This is from their own state budget on illegal immigrants. Tracking with it, we're seeing, okay, New York State, if you were an illegal immigrant and you worked illegally, which means you can't get a stimulus because you're not on. We're or, going to give you fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, it's and they got to prove it, but it still shows that you're encouraging people to come here okay. and you get all these services. I want to backtrack for a second. You have to prove that you're an illegal immigrant getting money illegally. Yeah, it's a bizarre notion, <laughs> yeah. but and the problem is now Harold Ford is a retired Democratic congressman from mm-hmm. Tennessee, and he mentioned. We should have a secure border, but at the same time, we have to deal with the the problem of the host or the origin of where they're coming from. It's in the Northern Triangle. And that can be said for anything from Mexico all the way down to south, the tip of Argentina. But if you look at these countries, like take Mexico, there's really no reason why Mexico is impoverished the way it is. It has Mm -hmm. two coasts on the Pacific on one side, on the western coast. It has um, the Caribbean on the other. Its northern border is the richest country in the world. It has an abundance of great farmland. It has very great natural resources. But the one thing that's missing is the the governance that we're used to, where we have an independent executive legislature and judicial. They all work in conjunction with each other, but they all check the other one. But also remember, they might not want to do something, and you're going to tell me or tell the audience why. What's the second? What's their second source of income when it comes to? Yeah, in Mexico, the second leading source of income is remittance. This is money that immigrants or illegal immigrants who go into the United States 
send money back to their host country in Mexico to help their families. Yeah. So Mexico really and a lot of these other countries have no incentive to to stop this. Mm-hmm. Now you take California, they passed a seven point nine billion dollar stimulus and everybody gets a check if you meet a certain economic level and immigrants or illegals get six hundred dollars, is that money going back to their host country? So I, I'm glad you brought that up about California, about the stimulus check, because now we're in the country is, is still in somewhat turmoil when it comes to race and gender. But one of the things is that Oakland, they're giving money, to, but you have to be a specific person. Like uh, they're oh, only giving right. it to black Americans or they're only giving it to black that was the same thing when they passed the this two trillion dollar stimulus bill. In the one of the provisions is for farmers that to get a stimulus for the farmers or get some extra financial assistance, you would only go to black or people of color yeah. farmers. White farmers need not apply because they're rectifying the wrongs that happened to minority farmers over the decades. But the problem with that is if you're a white farmer and you're impoverished and you're struggling, you didn't have anything to do with that. It's just like when they bring up the issues of Jim Crow as with the Georgia law. Most people weren't born during that time. I was just born in the midst of the the civil rights. I don't remember any of it. Yeah. But you're caught up into this. So they're playing this identity politics. And it's going to come back to bite them in some kind. And I think maybe off some other things we actually offer here on Ubaldi Reports, I think it would be interesting to everybody, is that we look and evaluate the appointees that the president puts in in, in his uh, cabinet. So recently, they just appointed the, for the ATF. Who's the gentleman and what do you know about that, him? I don't know too much about him. I know he appointed somebody today. Mm-hmm. I would have to go back and look at his background. I know previously, like you had a Democratic contender, Pete Buttigieg was from South Bend, Indiana, mm-hmm. and now he's the Secretary of Transportation. And yeah. he doesn't have much experience in transportation, especially running a department of 55,000 employees. Then you have Javier Becerra, who's the health and human services that deals with medical issues throughout the United States, including the coronavirus. He has no experience or no background in medicine or health or anything like that, except as this time as a U.S. congressman. But we are seeing a lot of identity politics. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. That's just like this Georgia law for voting. People didn't even read the vote. One of the the issues that would probably be controversial is they took away a lot of the powers from the Secretary of State. But other than that, when it comes to voter ID, most Americans favor some type of voter ID. You can't get on a plane or on Delta, which has very been very critical of this law, but you can't get on Delta. You can't get a, your tickets at roll call to get into a major league game without ID. So is the is that the big problem? Is that what everybody's having a problem well, with? It's that, and they just... They don't like some of the, it just seems like when a Republican puts something out, it's racist. People really need to look at H.R. 1. This is the um, election reform that passed out of the House. It tried to get it out in 2019, but the Republicans were opposed. I read that bill, and what it does, it nationalizes the elections. The second section of the U.S. Constitution states that when it comes to presidential election, all the rules and regulations 
revert to the states handle it, not the federal government. And what the federal government here, and this, if it passes, it gets to the Senate and it gets to the president. He said he would sign it. It would nationalize it. And then there would be no voter ID. Anybody can sign up. They would throw ballots out like candy. So it's just different. So I do want to look at something else is that the filibuster was on the chopping block here recently. And didn't it get kind of, wasn't there a senator that kind of uh, blocked that from happening? No, Republicans were against it. Joe Manchin, the senator, Democratic senator from West Virginia, he doesn't agree to get rid of the filibuster. Okay. He believes in altering it like an example that you would have to stand for the whole time while you're talking. <laughs> That's it. Right? Now, the problem is the Democrats throw out Jim Crow, but President Barack Obama, when he was then Senator Obama, spoke out very forcefully of not getting rid of the filibuster. Yeah. And then last year, when the Republicans controlled the Senate, the Democrats used the filibuster to stop Senator Tim Scott. He's the African-American senator from South Carolina. His police reform bill, they used the filibuster. So when you start to change the rules for you, for your time in the majority— there's going to be a time when you're not going to be in the majority. So it could come back to bite you in a big way. There's also something I don't understand was that uh, statistically, the Democrats use the filibuster more than the actual than, than the Republicans did. I'm not sure who uses it more. Now, from a historical standpoint, the, the, the filibuster wasn't used much in the 19th century, early 20th century. Mm. It was used by those who were against civil rights in the late in the 50s and 60s. And now it's back with a vengeance now because when the minority has it, they want to use it. And when the majority party controls it, they want to get rid of it. It's a, I think it's a mistake to change the rule. The filibuster is a good option because it forces the majority to work with the minority. And now they're trying to pass things through reconciliation, which just means you just need a majority vote. Yeah. And then also, just like the nuclear option, how that kind of blew up in the, in the Democrats', Democrats face. Right. Correct. The removing of the filibuster do the same thing. Because eventually, if you pass things through on majority vote, you get rid of the filibuster. There's going to be a time when you're not the majority in the Senate. Let's just say in 2022, the Republicans take the House, take the Senate, and then mm-hmm. 2024, they take back the um, executive branch. So then the Republicans control all three branches. Yeah. So does that mean they would do get rid of the, there's no filibuster. So we're going to pass everything we want just by majority vote. So it, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. I just think it's a good way for both parties. And that was the whole thing in Federalist 63 written by James Madison. They, the House was where all things get done by majority vote. The Senate was supposed to be a cooling off period. Okay, let's just let's let cooler heads prevail. Let's yeah. debate this. Let's try to the most radical thing and let's settle it down to something normal. You get rid of that. We're right. We basically have a house. The Senate turns into the House and then it just becomes chaos. So has COVID been like the big disruptor when it comes to how the political how the political field is out right now or to contribute or anything? Or is it just is it just business as usual? COVID has been a huge detriment to our political system. And what I mean by that, because the governors were given universal blanket authority to do what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go back, and I know this is controversial for some. I don't know what was in the legal briefs that Donald Trump or then President Trump submitted to the courts. But if you go back to March and April, 
governors just unilaterally made changes, say, we're going to do mail-in ballots. They never had a history of doing mail. They yeah. changed the rules about when you can sign up for absentee ballot, how you submit it. All these things changed. They went against the constitutional norm where it's debated and set up in a committee or through the legislature. They were bypassed. I know California, the governor for one full year, had total authority to do anything he wanted without any legislative approval or buy-in by the legislature. That's really not how our system of government is set up. And then the this federal court admonished in a very strong manner, and I can't think of it, I think it was Neil Gorsuch, who had really admonished the states when it came to the violation of the freedom of religion. He goes, I understand the coronavirus upset it everything, but that doesn't mean the Constitution goes in hibernation. Yeah. So it almost seems and it's almost like a clear path is that they're using this pandemic to adjust the Constitution. And when it comes to just maybe having a little bit more control over the American population. And that's the scary thought is when you use it's almost like that phrase that Ron Emanuel said at the beginning of the President Obama's term, never let a crisis go to waste. And it just seems like that's what they're using. They're using this crisis to push things they normally couldn't get done during a regular yeah. non-coronavirus issue. I'm pretty sure that our viewers and our listeners are going to have a lot of questions. And what are some ways that they can do? How can they reach us? John? They can first reach us by going to UbaldiReports at gmail.com. That's UbaldiReports at gmail.com. You can check us out on and reach us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by going to Ubaldi Reports. And you can check us out, if you go to Facebook, go to Ubaldi Reports group, and you can check us out from there. And we would like to hear what you think of this podcast. We're going to be doing a lot more of this. And what issues are you concerned about or what questions you have? And if we can't answer that, we will research it. I'm researching a question from one of our listeners regarding education. I have the answer. I'm just trying to get a verification that's the correct answer. So if you have a, a question, let us know. And also for the audience, we're going to have a Patreon starting up here soon. John and I, are, we're really reserved when it comes to giving you what's going on in the world today. But we kind of like to give you more of a, we like to call it uh, Ubaldi Reports Declassified, where we can give you more of a, an opinionated, more aggressive, a little bit off-the-cuff show, and you guys get to really hear how we really feel before we go back on Ubaldi Reports and give it, you know, the truth and how everything's going on right now. Everybody, have a great day. Yep, and keep listening to Ubaldi Reports and let your friends and family know about it, and keep listening to Ubaldi Reports.